So I decided for today's topic we're going to do, I want to share with you 10 albums that I find to be really great and really suggest that you listen to and check out. And I know we're a Misfits, Samhain, Danzig-centric channel, but there is not a single recommendation from any one of those bands in my top 10 albums because we talk about that stuff so much. I figure if I was to make a recommendation, <laughs> you know, I'd recommend everything. Like, I just, it, I don't want it to commandeer the list. As a matter of fact, you might find some of these picks to be unorthodox or even like, wow, Jeff, really? But yeah. That is, uh, that, that, yes, yes, this is some music that I love listening to. And um, let's just launch into the list and see where it goes. So I have 10 here. I, I could have done more, and I might do a secondary list in the future. This is not top 10 albums of all time. This is just 10 albums to check out. When I say albums, you know, there are some bands, like, I don't know about you guys, but there are some bands that I love just for a few couple of songs you know, like, I don't want to listen to any one of their albums. Oh, I, I'm doing a special. Okay, okay. I'm making an exception. It's actually going to be 11 albums. I have to include this one. Have to include this one. All right, I'm including this one as well. They're in no particular order either. They're in no particular order. Um, but I had to include it because of the exact thing. Like, this is a band. I just thought of a band who I don't listen to at all. But this one album, I listen to all the way through, and I love it all the way through. But if you were to give me this band's discography, I would just go, man, I I want um, – uh, just give me a handful of songs. I don't need to – I can't listen to their first three albums in a row. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Uh, so 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 these are these are our, our top – top 10 with a bonus albums. Ready? I'm going to start one. I've talked about some of these. I would say five of these I've spoken about in some semblance or form on various broadcasts on the channel. So you might have heard these picks, but I'm going to try and go in, elaborate a little bit more as to why I love, love the albums. And I know them intimately. And now here's the thing, again, with the suggestion, as I said just now, when suggesting these albums, I'm not even necessarily, it doesn't even necessarily mean, it's not an overemphasis on the band. It's more about the album. Like, check out the album. And when you listen to the album by this band, you need to listen to the whole album. It's an album from, these are albums for me that I listen to from start to finish. I don't just cherry pick a song. I listen to the whole thing straight through. You know, I don't think, I don't think this applies anymore to making music, but it used to. It used to apply all, all the time. And it was, you know, the, the concept of an album and a single were these, they were these entities that were the output of musicians. And that has now changed in the digital world. It's now more single-centric, and really it's more YouTube music video-centric, right? You know, or or Spotify, or Bandcamp, stream the single. That's where we've moved to. And it's not a bad, you know, it makes sense. I guess it makes sense economically if you are trying to put out music. Why put out a whole album's worth? And I do know artists who put out whole albums worth of albums worth of music. I don't know if that was phrased correctly. But it's like, why? What's the point at this point? It's like, 
it's like throwing so much at a wall to see what sticks. Why not just release everything as singles, single by single by single, write a song, put it out, write a song, put it out, write a song, put it out, put it out digitally. There's no overhead anymore. The overhead is very minimal. You know, if you have, if you have good, if you have a lot of merchandising transactions, if you have income coming in, then the digital overhead should allow you to have a pipeline of music. And, you know, again, I think in this new world mentality of Spotify and all these things, you know, and I'm not saying that I think music should be free. I'm just saying that because of the way things have been, music has been made free, whether we like it or not, because of the internet. And so therefore, you know, if, if a musician is trying to make money off of their wares, that they maybe shouldn't, you know, Jerry only actually has a really good mindset about this, a really good attitude about this. That's why but he didn't try putting out more albums, maybe not necessarily because he had songs in the bank. He didn't put it together as a cohesive album. He was releasing vinyl singles because it, it, that model made the most sense for him, not just for the collectability of the band. Here we go talking about the missions again. <laughs> but because, because it makes sense to just release a song or two at a time, you're still getting the anticipation of like the release without giving away so much because it's, you know, it can be very difficult and hard to put together a song and record it in the studio properly. Point is, is my, my whole point with this, I'm getting really, really carried away and lost in a subject that I really love talking about truly, um, even though I don't make music. But um, the point is, is that things have changed or things have come a long way from the idea of the album. The album is... An album is a journey, right? You put the album on, you put on your headphones, and you get lost in the track listing. You, you make a movie in your mind of, of, of imagination, of imaginative things, or of thoughts, or of feelings, or of memories, or whatever. It, it, you know, the, the album is like this sacred, incredible like, tomb of, of songs, of music. And, um, you know, for me, like many other people, there, there are just some albums that I can just listen to over and over again. Now, here's the thing. On one hand, I, you know, having an album that's like 45 minutes to an hour is a great thing in the sense that like, you know, you just, you drop the needle or you press play or you hit, you hit go and you just for the next hour you don't have to worry about what's coming next because you're you're committed to the sequencing and total track total running time trt as we say in video editing lingo the trt of the of the of the entity of the piece of the of the collection of songs and um but then there's the other mentality of the short album the album that's like you know i know it sounds crazy the album's like, that's like 18 minutes long an 18 minute long album or 20 minute 25 minute long something that just smokes i mean just smokes every second is just pure sublime just like perfect perfection lack i have a lack of words descriptors right now is perfection and um and it's so good you love this album so much that you can listen to it three times in an hour and i have albums like that too where it's like i drop this album 
as soon as it's done, I start it over again, and I start it over again, and I start it over again, and an hour has gone by, and I've listened to that album three times. I don't know if that's like if I'm the only person that does that, but like that's just something that I love to do. So, so like I said, there's two. Those are the two, the two competing mentalities. Sometimes I want to just commit to the hour long thing, and then sometimes I just want to, you know, just real quick. Um, and you know, it's interesting how those shorter albums have a real sense of urgency and it's wonderful. I guess maybe that's like a punk rock mentality, the sense of urgency, the instant gratification of like, you know, getting like a, a jolt of juice right now, you know, and, and then it's over, you know, and then, Oh, let's, let's start it over again. Yada, yada, yada. So for my first album is one of those shorter albums. Now that we've done the intro to the intro to the intro to the intro. The first album I'm recommending here is Jay Retard's Blood Visions. For those of you, I've talked about this album restlessly on all the different shows. Blood Visions is Jay Retard's first solo album. This guy was in a band called The Retards. He was also in a band called, uh, oh my God, well, Digital Leather. He was in The Lost Sounds. He's like, he was a garage rock sage this guy he always performed in a power trio him on guitar someone on bass and a killer drummer and just like froth and fury like brutality but through garage rock and you know these guys they they, they were not about fashion they're not about anything they just plug in and play as fast and as loud as they can and uh the, you know this album just makes me want to tear the lighting fixtures out of a ceiling like it makes me want to jump up to the ceiling hang from a lighting fixture and then rip it out when i hear blood visions it's a very personal album for me too um it's a very creative album for me it's an album that you know i like to write screenplays to as well in addition to all that it's an album that i put on when i'm feeling really angry um, and feeling really discouraged and need to power through whatever it is that's blocking me. And when I listen to that album, it makes me feel like nothing can get in my way and I will just charge through. And it's just, it's just a wonderful album. It's 15 tracks. And like I said, there's, I don't listen to any one song. You just, I, this is real. I shouldn't have to explain this for each and every album. For, the, for these albums, you just drop the needle and you let it friggin' play. Uh, Jay put out something like 200 releases in 15 years. He he died at the age of 29. Sorry, 14 years. He died at the age just shy of his 30th birthday. He died in 2010, about 11 years ago. He'd be 41 right now. Uh, cocaine and alcohol, over, uh, overdose, whatever you want to call it. And... Um, accidental and uh he was just he was a prolific creative theory that just burned super brightly for a decade and a half toured the world put out his music and snuffed his own light out too quickly and there's a documentary about him out there you should check it out and just check out blood visions it's on spotify streaming can't recommend this album enough over and over again just love it Album number two in our top 10 albums of suggested listening. 
is another band that I have waxed poetically on my various streams. They are called Dark Thoughts. Dark Thoughts, and the, the album that I'm recommending is their self-titled release called Dark Thoughts. I just bought this album on vinyl not too long ago. You know what I love about these guys? They sell everything at cost. They are not making any money off of what they are doing. They also don't have social media, which drives me insane. I remember discovering them on, they have Spotify and Bandcamp and that's it. I remember discovering them on Spotify through suggested listening. This is why you should always be on Spotify and never let anybody fuck with your algorithm. Um, well, geez, that is a crazy bird that just made like a growl. I thought it was a cat that was about to jump on my back. That was crazy. Um, these guys, I, I found them through Spotify's suggested music. And this is an album, 12 songs in 18 minutes. Pure, uh, they, they come from the school of the Ramones. Again, talked about them in great detail. Drummer is like a machine gun, machine gun precision drummer who is, you know, they say your band is only as good as your drummer. Well, then this band is the best band in the world because their drummer is the best. He is the best. Um, and I had the pleasure of meeting all of them. They played. My friend and I drove down to the city to see their last-minute impromptu opening set at St. Vitus. We didn't even stay for the supporting for the headlining band, who we did not know. We came and paid the the cover at the door just so we could see Dark Thoughts, who don't who you know they're they're in Pennsylvania. They they tour pretty you know they tour as frequently as they can. They just did their first European tour. They put out three albums, but that first album their self-titled album, 12 songs in 18 minutes. And the songs all flow into each other. You don't know when one song begins and another song ends. And so like you can't, in a way, because of that and because of the sequencing, you can't listen to this album on Shuffle. You can't listen to it song by song. You have to listen to it as a whole. And what's amazing is, in 18 minutes, they take you through so many different emotions, you know, but it's another album where it's just like you put it on and you just want to rip lighting fixtures out of walls. At least I do. Or, you know, rip a toilet, <laughs> rip a toilet out of the bathroom or rip the sink off the, off the plumbing. You know, it just gets me so pumped up listening to Dark Thoughts. And, um, and then, you know, like I said, it takes you through so many different emotions because then the album kind of dips down, slows down for a little bit before it, it picks back up at the end. And that's an album that I put on three times in an hour. I just listen to it over and over and over again, you know, commuting to work, you know, you only have a window of time. How many albums can you listen to? If you have a window of time commuting to work, you know, got a 20 minute commute to work, boom, dark thoughts will get me there. Dark Thoughts did get me there to that job. Get get it? Get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? So, um, yeah, man, Dark Thoughts. Wow, do I love wow, do I love that band so much. So friggin' much. Um, and like I said, they sell their records at cost on their bandcamp. You know, it I mean it's like fifteen bucks for a record. I don't know how much a record costs to press. Maybe it's five bucks. Maybe it's five or six bucks per unit, maybe seven bucks per unit. I don't know. But the quality, you could tell they're putting, they're spending all the money on the extra bells and whistles that the, the glossy finish or whatever, the matte finish, whatever the hell they're doing. Um, and they, 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 I asked them to autograph the album. 
when I, when I ordered it and it took extra long to get to me because they had the whole band sign it because they don't all like live near each other, which I thought I was like, wow, what effort. I mean, they didn't have to do that. One guy could have just signed all the, all the names and he wrote me a letter. They wrote me a letter saying, dear Jeff, thank you so much for ordering our album. Sorry, this took so long because we had to get everybody's signatures. It wasn't easy to do. So the commitment to the, the, the patronage is appreciated. Um, so check them out. Truly. Bandcamp, dark thoughts. And it kills me because it's like, dude, get on social media. But that's that kind of like, it goes back to what we've talked about a lot about like that, that, um, that sort of mystique of not knowing anything about a band and like literally needing to go to a show to see them play and see what they're all about. Like you can't find any information about them on live, uh, on online. And, you know, that's not to say they are on Spotify. I mean, they are also on YouTube. People have taken YouTube video of Dark Thoughts. So I was able to see a couple of live performances. And that's how I was able to see Revel in the, the insanity that is this drummer. Like, people should be knocking down their doors and, like, handing money. Like, Marky Ramon should be in a closet cowering in fear of how fast and precise this drummer is in the style of like Ramon style drumming. But here's the thing. They are not Ramon's core. That's not to say that I don't I, I, Ramon's core. Cool. Like if you're into Ramon's core, that's cool. Um, you know, there are some Ramon's core bands that I do enjoy, but um, what, what I do like about the, this band is they're not trying to do a Ramon's core sound. They're very much, disciples of the Ramones. They are very much in the school of the Ramones, but there is, they're doing something different. They're doing something a little bit different. It's all downstrokes. It's all machine gun drumming. The speed is breakneck. And like I said, 18 minutes later, you're done with the album. All right, we got to move on because I could talk about that forever. All right, this next one is a doozy. And when I was making this list, I actually switched this album from this band because I love all of their albums. I switched between the three albums that they released. I went from the, the, their most polished album to their cult classic, you know, uh, seminal debut release to debut release to the, the, the middle child that nobody gives a crap about. And that album is Robin the hood by the band sublime. Now I love all of Sublime's releases. I am a ginormous Sublime fan. I always was. I grew up with Sublime. I love them. I love them for so many different reasons. Why do I love Sublime? Because Sublime, it's it's interesting actually. I love Sublime in the same way that I love the Misfits in the way that, you know, Glenn Danzig takes like sort of a pastiche of all the things of all like a, like from the spectrum of pop culture, from music to comics to film, he sort of he sort of wears his influences on his sleeve and likes to you know <laughs> take credit for them sometimes um you know he like he infuses everything that he does with 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 like a personal touch i mean all artists do that you know all artists definitely do that in some way shape or form but uh gd is like and really just sort of putting all this the stuff, this subver—it's subversive. It's subversive because you see this or you see that, and you're just going, "Wow, this is really great!" And it comes from somewhere else, and it means something, and it might have meant something to him. I don't know. It's just a part of the puzzle, and that's part of why we love 
the misfits so much is like the detective work that goes into where did this come from? Where did that come from? Well, the, the sublime is very similar, to, you know, in a way. And I've said this to, uh, so, you know, I had on pizza punk, I had Nick, the drummer from law and law is Bradley Noel's son's band. Bradley Noel was the front man of sublime. He has his son who's now in his twenties has his own band. Great band, by the way, check them out. They're called law. And, um, and I had the drummer on, on my show to just, just talk about music in general. Guy knows a lot about music. Really, really nice guy, Nick. Um, I think he's out in Long Beach. They're all in Long Beach. But Sublime has its own legendary sort of cult following in the same way, in the same as the Grateful Dead, in the same as the Ramones, in the same as the Misfits. Sublime not only basically created their own sound, but also sort of created a scene of music worshiping followers after that came after there are a billion bands that sound just like sublime or trying to sound like sublime in the same way that you have a billion bands trying to sound like the Ramones or trying to sound like the misfits or the whole jam band scene can completely be traced back to literally the grateful dead. Do you know what I'm saying? And so sublime, it's like people pour over every little bit of minutia with this band sublime, you know, I'm in that, I'm, I have an eye into that community. So I see some of it, you know what I mean? And it's very interesting. And it's very interesting how it's the parallel to the East coast sort of, you know, pouring over the misfits minutia. So people love this band and they love this band. And you know what sublime does sublime basically is like, it's, it's like three white dudes who are basically trying to do this Jamaican reggae sort of, it's like a reggae approach to music. And in reggae proper, what you do is you kind of, reggae is all about remixing is the best way to describe it. They have, I'm going to sound really stupid right now, but just go roll with me on this. They have something called the, the rhythm. The rhythm, I just sound really stupid saying that because I'm fucking white. Um, the rhythm, R-I-D-D-I-M. And the rhythm is, I, I, it's kind of, it's also like hip hop too, in the sense that it's like a beat that people then do their own thing on top of that beat. And everybody com communally shares the rhythm, the rhythm, right? So you could have like three different songs that use the same music the same rhythm whatever it is the, the beat and sublime took that took that and this is where i this is why i can't stand the the, the word cultural appropriation because then you don't get a band like sublime if 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 cultural appropriation is outlawed or whatever you want to call it or you want to label everything cultural appropriation you don't get a band like sublime to exist a bunch of or you don't get a band like the beastie boys right you know what i mean a bunch of dudes that are seem like they're out of water who passionately like this thing and then do their own version of that thing. And so sublime took the, the idea of the rhythm and sort of took the idea of being a DJ because they really into they're influenced by they're taking reggae rap, hip hop and punk rock and fusing it together into this, such an original music. It's such 
it's such a fresh, interesting, original, it's original and it's derivative because they're literally remixing from things that already exist. It's kind of like what I do with some of the videos that I make. All of the videos that I make, you know, or some, not all of them, but some of like the documentary style stuff, I'm taking from everywhere. It's not mine. I, none of it's mine. It's just me doing my own remix. And then I jump in there and kind of try to do my own little thing, you know? And again, when I do this stuff, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, uh, like I, I have, I take no ownership of it. It's just me taking the materials, trying to do my own little, you know, remix thing and sending it back out. That's literally what it is. And that's kind of like what sublime was all about. You know, they take the song, the first part of the song is a cover of this song. And then they, he does his own little original thing here. And then it's the second half of the song is another song. There's a, there's a compilation called Rewind Selector. It's like 50 or 60 songs. Maybe it's even 70 or 80 songs. Uh, you know, because Sublime was also a lot like The Grateful Dead in the sense that I'm talking a lot about The Grateful Dead for a good reason that'll come up. In the sense that not only did they cover Scarlet Begonias, but they were constantly, their songbook was ginormous. They put out three albums, but they were just as much of a jam band live band as they were a punk rock band, a ska band, or a reggae band. I mean, they really transcended so many different genres and flavors and styles. You know, there's so many live shows of sublime where brad is too fucked up to play guitar and it's literally just bud and eric eric played bass bud played drums it's literally the two of them doing bass and drums while bradley raps you know what i mean and it's like the most punk rock shit ever it really is it really is it's freaking cool it's bad freaking ass and then every once in a while he comes in and jumps in with his guitar you know um but sublime is just taking all these 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 things like for instance saw red you know you think oh that's a sublime song no that's a barrington levy song is there's a song called i think it's called i think it's called the girl is mine actually and brad turned it into saw red and you know they credit everybody gets their credit and the publishing is everything is where it's supposed to be it's not like a led zeppelin type situation you know what i mean where they're literally covering days and confused came from another dude. You know what I mean? Um, there's a full acknowledgement of where things come from in, within the realm of sublime. However, there are many fans who have these revelations where they go, Oh my God, I didn't know that was a cover. Oh my God. I didn't know that was taken from that. A great example is the song DJs. You know, all the DJs surely have taken a lesson. Stop talking trash or I'll come with my Smith and Weston. That opening line is from a song by this rapper from the Bronx called Just Ice. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the song, he says, but the stone that the builder refused shall be the head corner stone. That's Bob Marley. You know what I mean? It's just like, and then the rest of it is just like original, original song written by Bradley Noel. He's literally just taking things. He's a, you know, he's a DJ. He's literally a DJ. And the other thing that's fascinating to me about Sublime, I mean, I, I, again, as much as I love talking about the Misfits, I could talk about Sublime endlessly, endlessly talk about Sublime. And I might even do a video about them in the future because I'm so fascinated by this band. I will do a video about them in the future. Um, what they're doing is they're using, the, what, the, the thing that they're doing, and they, they didn't originate it. 
they 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 were influenced. I think they were influenced by two big time. I mean, they they've admitted as much. They were influenced by I think the Bad Brains in this regard and Fishbone. So this here's a band that's covering both the Bad Brains and the Grateful Dead. Like it, it blows my mind. Um, and basically, you know, the Bad Brains are the first time that you have this band that they're doing. I get another band we could talk about endlessly. The Bad Brains are doing hardcore punk rock one second, and then the next second they're doing a, a fucking reggae song, and it's awesome. It's an awesome friggin' reggae song, right? Um, and then you have this other band called Fishbone, which is not as well-known, and I'd love to talk about them endlessly as well. Fishbone's doing the same thing. They're, they're doing... They're doing punk and they're doing sort of ska and they're kind of fusing together. Here's where, here's where Sublime kind of really jumps, jumps ahead with this concept. You have a song like Seed off of the self-titled album, right? You have a song called Seed. And Seed, listen to Seed if you haven't listened to Seed in a long time. Seed is basically what you're doing basically what they're doing is they're bridging reggae and punk rock and using ska to be that bridge and that's what's so brilliant about sublime that's at the core of everything that they're kind of doing they're going from they they have the, the ska whatever you want to call it again not a musician ska you know tempo rhythm you know up and down and then all of a sudden they go into you know the they speed it up reggae uh, ska is just sort of sped up reggae where it's so they speed it up right and then all of a sudden from the ska they go into the punk rock and you can hear that perfectly personified in a song like seed which is a beautiful brilliant song and that's what they that's kind of what is going on there and what's interesting too is brad who was capable of doing a a wonderful lead when he was sober he could do a really great lead guitar solo was not a lead guitar player necessarily. He was a rhythm guitar player. The guitar, the ska pickup playing guitar was actually the rhythm. Do you know what the lead was in that band? It was the fucking bass. It was Eric Wilson's fucking bass that was the rhythm. The the not the rhythm, the um the lead. It was the lead. It was the 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 guitar was just the rhythm for the bass to surf on top of. So you, when you, if you really want to listen to the secret weapon of Sublime, it's not just Brad's dirty, you know, uh, dirty, raw, you know, I don't know what you would call it, just that, that beautiful, velvety, sort of soulful voice that he has. It's Eric Wilson's friggin' insane bass playing, like phenomenal bass playing. I can't believe it. it's 49 minutes and I've only gotten to the third album and I haven't even talked about the third album. Okay. Got to do not too much intro on the band itself. Got to do focus more on the album. So Robin the Hood comes at this crazy point in time. It's recorded in a crack house. Uh, but, okay, let me actually step back for a second. Sublime was almost on Epitaph Records. Epitaph, Epitaph, whatever you want to call it, in the 90s. Um, Mr. Brett from Bad Religion brought Sublime into his studio, and they demoed seven songs. And they were originally going to release just those seven songs because I don't think the deal worked out with the label. 
And so they were going to put it out by themselves the way that they had done their first release, 40 Ounces of Freedom, which I'm going to avoid talking about because I could talk about that literally forever. So what happens is Brad and the band and the guys are just like, oh my God, this is such a ripoff. We can't just put out seven songs. We need to uh, really give people their money's worth and add more songs. And so Brad, who... Again, we haven't even spoken about the drug thing, and I don't want to get into it, but Brad was like, Brad was a crackhead. He was a, he was a crackhead junkie who, you know, uh, he had a serious drug problem, man. He just had a serious drug problem, and he was living, uh, he was living in, in, in crack houses. He wasn't a crackhead. He might have just been living in crack houses. I don't know if he was smoking bass or anything, but he was heavily into heroin, and he had a, he had, and whatever else he was into, and that's how I should really put it. I don't want to call anybody a crackhead. He um, he had a four track, and what he would do is Miguel, who was his you know right hand man, Sancho Panza producer, fourth member of Sublime, yada yada yada, would like set up the recording thing, the recording situation for Brad. Brad would go in, do his magic, and then mess everything up. And every day, Miguel would check the tape, and then reset everything up again <laughs> for Brad to record again. And they recorded this insane, it's more of a mixtape than it is an album. And I can, every single note on this, it's an hour, it's an hour long, maybe even longer, maybe even 67 minutes. It's very long. It's packed to the gills with music. And it's, you know, there's some well-composed, you know, well-recorded, well-tracked songs, the stuff that was done in the studio with Mr. Brett. That's where you have like, you know, All You Need and Saw Red you know, um, freaking what else is on there? Falling idols. And then you have, you have acoustic ditties that are done in a crack house, literally in a crack house in, in, an, in an abandoned storefront on a four track. You have these weird recordings, uh, outside of a liquor store where they're talking to a homeless w- woman about like, like what kind of music she's into. Uh, you have insane hip hop, rapping numbers like the Cisco kid where they're sampling this old black and white, you know, uh, cowboy show called the Cisco kid. It's just, it's a, it's a journey of music. And at the center anchored in this album is this guy, Raleigh Theodore Sakers, who is a mystery. There's this guy, Matt Vargas, the brother of Kelly Vargas, who was Sublime's drummer when Bud left the band. And he recorded this crazy mental patient when he was working in like a, a home or whatever. And his name was Raleigh Theodore Sakers. And you can't, nobody can, everybody's always trying to dig up stuff. Raleigh Theodore Sakers is like the We Are 138 of, of the sublime community. And he just speaks in complete n- nonsense. Like just doesn't make any sense. Completely incoherent, psychosemantic babblings of a, of a madman. And of course, the guys thought he was hilarious. And you can find the full rant. It's like 25 minutes. But they took excerpts from this, this insane tape and put it on, on Robin the Hood. And Robin the Hood is just this incredible mentality. It, it's got a real punk rock spirit because, and it truly is a cult classic in, in every sense of the word, a cult classic. Because I think it's gone gold now, but you know, for years it was just it was the worst. You know, not, it was the least appreciated Sublime record, um, and yet it's one of three that were ever officially released. Um, 
but it's got this mixtape mentality, you know, going back to like the idea of like, you know, how they were influenced by, by hip hop and whatnot, where you have, you have like, you just have, all, you know, we're, we're doing all these little home recordings. We're going to put it on this tape. We're going to put the tape out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it's just, it's phenomenal. It really is a phenomenal piece of, of music. Uh, and it, and again, like I said, I love that mentality. It's like, you don't need to go into a studio to put out music. You can do, you know, get your four track. You don't even need it now. You can do it on, you can do your four track on your phone. You know, you can make little mixtape albums, put them out on Bandcamp, you know, if you're prolific and even if they're ideas, and that's what I loved about, you know, this album is that a lot of these ideas are just half-baked little musings. It's a, a, the equivalent of, of almost like sketches. You know what I mean? It's not, the, the songs aren't, or the audio soundscapes or whatever they are, they're not, it's, it's avant-garde in the sense of, you know, it, it comes out and that's it. It's on tape and, and that's it. And we're putting it out. There's no refinement to anything. And some people might say, well, that's, you know, the, the, it's not a focused, it's not focused output. But other, but at the same time, I think it's creativity at its purest form in the way you're making music. And it's it's wonderful. It's truly, truly wonderful. I can't recommend Robin Hood enough and they're just they're all sorts of crazy songs on there there's a song called waiting for bud and it's just like this little intro thing step and razor um lincoln lincoln highway dub which is would become that's the music for santeria which would come out on the self-titled album it's just a phenomenal it's a masterpiece it's a masterpiece you could tell a real sublime fan from a real from you know a fit you can tell a real sublime fan when you when you when you know they're down with robin robin the hood so check out robin the hood okay the next this next album holy crap i can't guys i can't i don't know if i can keep talking there's so much there's so much to say about each one of these releases and i i'm like already spent all right all right let me try this the next album is pixies come on pilgrim I'm a huge diehard Pixies fan. Again, talked about Pixies a bunch on this record. Here's the thing about, about Come On Pilgrim. 1987, Boston. Uh, this guy, uh, God, what was the name? Not Gil Norton. That was their producer for um, the later albums. This guy saw the Pixies play live. Maybe they play, were playing at the Rat, Rat Skeller, which is like the... Boston CBGBs, our friend Boston, Boston Chris in the, I don't know if he's still in the comments, but Boston Chris will, will tell you all about the Rat Skeller. A very, like a, a, a true staple of the Boston music scene. I don't know if it's, I think it's closed now. They, I think they were playing there and this guy had a studio called Fort Apache Studios, I think. And he brought the band in in early 1987 to make a demo tape which was called the purple tape. And it was a legendary demo tape. Uh, they, they put down 17 songs and the label, the British, the British post-punk golf label for AD her, somehow got a hold of the purple tape, loved it so much that they signed the band. The Pixies were signed to the label with who they did all their albums. They did all their albums with four AD and not only not only um uh, uh you know sign them but 
were so enthusiastic about the the recordings on that purple tape that they picked the best seven or eight. I don't remember which number it is. It might be eight. I mean, really, it'd be easy to think about it. Come on, Pilgrim. I mean, um, Caribou, Vamos, Holiday Song, Levitate Me, I've Been Tired, uh, Nimrod's Son. Uh, what am I missing here? I'm missing something. Oh, uh, Island de Encanta. Okay, so seven songs, right? They picked seven songs from this purple tape and they put it out as a as an EP called Come On Pilgrim. And the band was like, really? You want to you want us to put out the EP? I mean, you want us to put out the demo as an EP? And they're like, and the guys at 4AD are like, fuck yeah. It's just, it's really, really great. You really should put it out. And so it comes out and from, again, one of those short albums that just fucking smokes, man. Just like, I think it's the same length, might be the same length as Dark Thoughts self-titled. And again, you know, in a pinch, you're in, you need to have complete catharsis, emotional catharsis before you get to work in, in a 20 minute car ride. And you can do that with Come On Pilgrim by the Pixies. The opening notes are the song, the opening song is a song called Caribou. And if you've never listened to Pixies before and the first thing you hear is Caribou, you're just like, what? The actual fuck. And it sounds like a, a mariachi. Again, this is a band who are, they're, you know, they're fronted, they're, they're the brainchild of this guy, Charles Thompson, who goes by the name Black Francis. When he went solo, he would invert his name to Frank Black. And Black Francis, you know, he was the, he was the, the main songwriter and he was a surrealist. You know, these guys were influenced by Eraserhead, stuff like Eraserhead. They even covered Lady in the Radiator song on that purple tape. It's a, and it's a crazy rendition with, I mean, this guy, Black Francis, nobody can scream like this dude. Nobody has pipes like this dude. He can scream, you know, you think about all the death metal heavy guys that go, Aah! you know, and I would put them all up against Black Francis who sings about sex and death and just screams the, these guttural emotional screams that come from within his lungs. And the song, the, the album opens with this, this, this song. I live so man. I hate this. And then coupled with his voice is the voice of an angel. And her name is Kim Deal. And like the most popular example of the trend where you have the chick bass player, you know what I mean? Like every band, every like indie band in the eighties, I feel like you look at Sonic Youth, you look at Smash and Pumpkins, all these bands, they have the female bass player that everybody's in love with, you know, that kind of thing. And Kim Deal is that in the Pixies and her voice. I mean, if you could ever fall in love with a voice, like just a voice without seeing the person, it's the voice of Kim Deal. And she sings along with Black Francis. Usually, you know, they, their their parts are done in a way where they are sort of either singing in unison, kind of like X, you know, the way that, that John Doe sort of sings with uh, Exene, who is tone deaf, by the way. And that's why they do that. He guides her voice. He guides her. He keeps her on pitch. So the Pixies are kind of doing something similar to that. 
a little bit in certain certain areas. And it goes from, you know, they, they, the, the formula, which is not really the Pixies formula, but it's the formula that, that um, you know, they would be credited with that, you know, Kurt Cobain's like, man, you know, when Kurt Cobain gave probably the greatest amount of clout and street cred to the biggest band in the world, you know, Smells Like Teen Spirit is the number one song in, in the world. And he's going, oh, that was me just trying to write a Pixie song. In a, in a weird kind of way, just in the way that Metallica is covering Misfit songs and wearing Misfit t-shirts, it's the same with, with Kurt Cobain tipping his hat to the Pixies. You know what I mean? It's like the Pixies were this band that, you know, they were like a band's band. Like all these incredible larger-than-life artists are in awe of the Pixies. Radiohead, David Bowie, U2, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana. You know, all of these guys are like, the Pixies, the Pixies. They are worth checking out. And like I said, the songs, the songs in those early albums are just about sex and death via Bible passages, man. Charles grew up super religious, got black Francis grew up super religious and like, or grew up in a religious home. And so he decided he, a lot of the songs he wrote about are songs that are kind of like from the Bible. He got like Nimrod's son or the song dead, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, you call it indie rock, but I think the Pixies are punk as fuck. They're super punk and they are super post-punk. They're gothic Debaser is such a gothic album. People don't talk about how gothic Debaser is. It's a really gothic album. Going back to songs like Dead or, you know, I don't know. And what's interesting is the everything is augmented. This surrealist songwriting is augmented by the guitar playing of Joey Santiago, who's a lead guitar player. You have Black Francis on rhythm and you have Joey on 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 lead. And Joey, Black Francis is singing with his voice and Joey, who doesn't have a microphone, is singing with his guitar. He makes his guitar sing through these leads. He makes his, he tortures his guitar. He makes his guitar wail in pain. Like it, you feel like you can hear the tortured voice of the guitar screaming in agony because of the things that Joey Santiago is doing to it. He is a genius, genius, genius guitar player. Um, and I, like I said, I'm just in awe of, of Come On Pilgrim. It's, you know, and then it goes into the song Vamos. And Vamos is, all of a sudden, you go from the song Caribou, which is literally about wanting to be reincarnated as a caribou. <laughs> like that's what the song is about. Um, being a human being dissolution with life and wanting to go and be, you know, uh, a caribou and it's beautiful poetry. And it goes into the song called Vamos where, you know, black Francis, much like Bradley Noel, who also was fluent in Spanish. It just starts singing in Spanish. Vamos a jugar por la playa. But it's like broken, terrible Spanish. Estamos en el sol de la comisita en New Jersey. Hay un poquito de vida plena, pero en Chevrolet. They are right. And I go into this crazy song, the Spanish-speaking song. And then they go into another Spanish-speaking song called Isla de Encanta. Donde no es sufrimiento. 
Bueno, me bien conmigo. And this is where they, I mean, you really hear their punk rock chops. Like, they don't ever play straight punk rock, but this one song is straight punk rock. So it's like them being like, oh, yeah, we could do punk rock if we wanted to. We just choose not to. And they go into uh, uh, the song. Donde no es sufrimiento. Donde no es sufrimiento. And it's just, it's beautiful. And then it goes into Ed is Dead. It was eight songs. So Ed is Dead is such a weird song. Her head is in a bigger way. Her brain's on fire. It just really weird lyrics. They're singing this song called Ed is Dead. This is the chorus. Ed is dead uh-huh. Ed is dead E-I-D E-I like it's just so biz- so bizarre and that goes into the holiday song and you can find them live in 1988 at the London Townhouse in England whatever that, that venue is um, and they are just rocking the fuck out so check out Come On Pilgrim. It's just a phenomenal album. It culminates in this song called Levitate Me, which has the lyric, Come on, Pilgrim, you know he loves you. Um, and it feels like a call up to God or something. I, I don't know, what, like, or a higher power. There's a song called uh, I've Been Tired. One, two, three. She's a real live winger because she's been down south and half dozen lounge. He said, I can tell you stories that will make you tired. What about you? I said, me too. Well, I can tell you a story that will make you cry. And she said, I, I said, I want to be a singer like Lou Reed. I like Lou Reed. He said, sticking her tongue in her ear. Let's go. Let's talk. Let's sit. Politics go so good with fear. And while we're out of it, why don't you tell me one of your biggest fears? I said, Losing my penis to a hole with disease. Just kidding. I said, losing my life to a hole with disease. Excuse me, please. I said, losing my life to a hole with disease. I said, please. I really wish I could play this stuff for you right now, like live. I can't. I can't do it. Um, Really check out Come On Pilgrim by the Pixies. For our next song. What time is it now? Jesus Christ. All right. Oh, man, this next album is super heavy. Okay, this band's called The Ravenettes. And when you say it all together, Ravenettes, it sounds like Raisinettes, you know. Um, but what it is, it's like it's like the combining of Bud, Buddy Holly with, like, a girl group from the 60s, like the Ets part, like the Corvettes or whatever. So the Rave On, Rave On Nets, the Ravenettes, that's their name. and most people would write them off as like a shoegazing Jesus and the Mary Chain band. And I think there's so much more than that. They are, um, they do, they, they do a very similar thing to what the Pixies do in terms of uh, it, it's a, it's just a guy and a girl, first of all, in the band, they, they have rotating hired gun drummers or whoever they need. They can play any instrument. Sometimes he's doing drums and she's on guitar Sometimes he's on bass and she's playing drums. Like whatever they need to do, they do. And it's just the two of them. They sing in unison, Sharon Fu and Soon Wagner. And they are Danish, I believe. And they, the first album that they put out was an EP called Whip It On. 
in 2002. I discovered them in 2004, and I saw them live in the same year at Little Steven's Underground Garage Rock Festival. They were a brand new band, and they recorded all of their songs in only using three chords in B minor. That was the goal of the Whip It On EP. And they have slowly grown. They, they grew, they're currently on hiatus right now. And they have slowly grown as musicians, sort of cultivating this beautiful, you know, sound that's really, it's just drenched in reverb. Everything is reverb. Everything is, I mean, this guy soon, he writes all the songs. He's a goddamn genius, musical genius. And he has this beautiful girl who sometimes plays guitar, sometimes plays bass. And, you know, she's the singer. They sing together. And their voices, their vocal chemistry is incredible. They, they, they can hit, they can they lock their voices together in unison and sing as one thing. It's just like the movie Rock and Rule. One song, one heart, but no one voice. No, sorry. One voice, one heart, but not any one. They, they just completely fuse together. They put out an album in 2007 called Lust, Lust, Lust. It's actually... Was kind of the soundtrack for me when I first came to Israel. I, that's when I really, really started to heavily get into the band. Like I said, I had seen them live in 2004. I saw them alive again in 2007, right when Lust, Lust, Lust came out. And I, you know, it's funny. I saw them live in New York, and then I went down to Maryland to visit a friend, and they were playing. They were touring. We went to that show at the Auto Bar, and. Like I said, it just became the soundtrack of my summer of 2008. And it's just that album, every note from top to bottom of that album is just glorious. Um, the, 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 you know, it's the songs are, they're guitar songs. You know what I mean? Like in the same way that we look at like certain early Glenn Danzig songs and we can be like, oh yeah, that was absolutely written on a piano, but played on a guitar. These songs are like guitar workshop songs is I guess the best way to describe it. When they play the songs live, some of these songs on um, Lust, 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 at least, they're, they're, it's just the two of them, they have a backing track. Like, you know, sometimes they have, here's what's crazy. Sometimes they'll just have two drummers. They'll have two drummers playing in unison behind them. And they're both playing guitar. And it's like this hypnotic like thing that you see where these two drummers are doing these like synchronized drum situations, kind of like the butthole surfers had two drummers. The Grateful Dead had two drummers and they're doing this weird hypnotic thing while they're playing guitar and they just take turns doing, you know, lead stuff while the other one's doing rhythm. And the songs are just beautiful songs about heartbreak and loss and just all sorts of um, weird themes. And that album feels like a journey. That whole album feels like a journey from the opening of Alley Walk With Me to the very end with The Beat Dies. When I was, um, when I asked my composer to compose music for my feature length film, which will be premiering on this channel um, probably in like a week or two, uh, the, the last track I said, here, listen to this, which was The Beat Dies. And I said, I want you to compose something that sounds like this and that has the same energy. The, the, the big hit song was Alley Walk With Me, but also check out Dead Sound. Dead Sound is what really made that band click for me. And it's a phenomenal, it's just a phenomenal track. Um, 
blitz, friggin' you want the candy, lust, um, sat, what's that? Black satin. Um, the, the, all the, every song is pure poetry and they're all phenomenal. Check out Lust, Lust, Lust by the Ravenettes. I could say more, but I'm going to not because we want to get through this list. <laughs> okay. This next one is another testament to Spotify. And basically, like, you know, you if you don't have Spotify, get Spotify. Because you may never discover music the way you will discover music if you have Spotify. And so one day I decided to do the Spotify radio where they put together a special playlist of songs for you. Where it's just like completely tailored to your tastes based on the algorithm. That's why that algorithm is so awesome. You're like, oh no, the algorithm, it's reading my mind. I hate it. Ah, I hate it. Um, but it's, it's just, man, like when the algorithm recommends the right thing and it clicks, it's phenomenal. Like I said, my, my life has been changed by the music I've discovered on Spotify, really, truly. One of the bands I discovered was a side project from the John Spencer Blues Explosion, I think is the name of the guy. Never listened to a, not even a note of music by this dude. Never once. All of a sudden, this song comes on from this album called Midnight Soul Serenade by this band called Heavy Trash. Heavy, heavy trash. Midnight Soul Serenade. It was an instrumental, and I'm going, oh, my God. And, you know, that was the beauty of this playlist. It's like you leave it on shuffle. It's random. I'm doing stuff around the house. All of a sudden, I hear that right track. It's like Pandora style. You hear that right track, and I'm like, okay, I need to check out that whole album. I listened to Midnight Soul Serenade in its entirety, and then when it was done, I listened to it again. And then when it was done, I listened to it again and again and again. And I couldn't tell you a goddamn track on that fucking album. I don't know them by heart. It just, you know, it, that's the other annoying thing about Spotify. <clears throat> you hear an album you really like, you hear a piece of music you really like, you put it on Spotify, you put on the album, you just listen to the album as a whole. I'm not listening to the songs. I'm not even knowing what the songs are. I just listen to the whole album from start to finish. Like, I'm not going to cherry pick a song. I'm just going to go through it. And that's what this, this album heavy trash is. I don't even know how to describe it. Obviously it's, it's garage rock, but with, you know, there are some albums that make you, that transport you to a place that makes you feel good or safe. And like literally like a place in your mind. I've always had an affinity for the Southwest. I don't know what it is. Like, just like the desert, the, the, the desert, the mountains, the, the cactuses. I mainly, I'm thinking of Arizona where I used to spend a lot of time. And this album kind of really made me think about the Southwest in a wonderful way. You know, like it just painted, I just imagined myself driving in a, in an open car with the, you know, the top down driving, you know, in the desert, you know, whatever that highway is to, to Las Vegas with the mountains in, in the Vista and the sun, you know, kind of perpetually in set, like not the sun hasn't set, but it hasn't risen. It's just that the sun is on the horizon and the, the warm, dry desert air, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. Like that's like the type of feeling that this album gives me. And it's just a really, it's a tonic for the soul. And I really enjoy it. I really, really enjoy it. Heavy trash, midnight soul serenade. 
Check it out. It's their third album. They released three albums from 2005 to 2009. Phenomenal. All right, this next one is is an interesting one. I, I didn't know about this. I didn't even know that this was a band, actually. It was it kind of blew my mind. You know, the 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 I have slowly been exploring the body of work by Nick Cave. Uh, he is a phenomenally he's such an interesting musician. Oh I totally fucked up. We're gonna have to do a part two because I just thought of another album that Oh, why didn't I think? Oh, damn, damn, damn. All right, not going to include it. Not going to include it because I, I made a promise. I promise. So I was going to talk about these 10 albums. I already added one. Oh. Do I change it? Should I change my list? No, 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 no. I'm not going to do it. Not gonna do it. Um, Nick Cave, he just has a vast body of work. He's a very interesting dude who puts out, you know, people call him the Prince of Darkness. Um, you know, he comes from the world of post-punk goth music, kind of, with the birthday party. But before the birthday party, before Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, um, him and I think his – there was another guy in the in, – in his another guy who was with him from the beginning, from all the way from 1975 all the way up to, like, 2017 or something. They, they had a band called The Boys Next Door. And The Boys Next Door released one album and then turned – into the birthday party. The birthday party is really weird. They're very hard to digest. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds can be hard to digest a bit. Um, but the birthday party is really an acquired taste. I mean, they are really out there. They're doing weird stuff, man. Like really angular, weird music. Very much in the same way that you can't wrap your head around... Sam Hain, it's hard to wrap your mind around the birthday party and what they're doing. But before they were the birthday party, they were called The Boys Next Door. And The Boys Next Door put out one album called Door Door. And this album, from top to bottom, it's just snotty, teenage, punk rock. It's almost like pop punk in a way. No, no, that's not the right word. I'm trying to think of how to best describe it. It's not pop punk. No, no, no. It's poppy. It's catchy punk rock music. You know what it is? Okay, okay, okay. You know what it is? I just figured it out. It's kind of like the Australian Buzzcocks. That's what it kind of is. That's exactly what it is. So the boys next door, fronted by Nick Cave, is basically, and they cover Nancy Sinatra's the boot, These Boots Are Made For Walking, which is actually the least interesting thing they did. The most interesting thing they did was a song called Shivers. And it's just a drop dead, haunting, gorgeous song. It wasn't written by Nick Cave, it was written by this guy, the, the, the guitarist, Rowland, Rowland, I think his name was. And uh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. The, the, the crowning jewel of Door Door is Shivers. Um, I've been contemplating. Suicide, but it really doesn't suit my style. It was written when he was 15 years old, and it's just such an angsty like it's the type of song you wish you discovered when you were 15 years old. That's the type of song it is. It's the type of song that you wish that, like, you had, like, when you're breaking up with a girl, or like, you know, you're, you're hung up on a girl or a guy, whatever you're into, you know, and you're just in like that, like, the world is over the world is going to end it's like that kind of song 
but it's also like it's beautiful it's slow it's haunting and then the rest of the album is just like i said it's it's buzzcocks man it's buzzcocks but like by way of nick cave from australia before he became the birthday party and it's just a really good album i listen to it all the way through and i love every song and i don't even know all the song names he uh boy there's a song called boy hero there's a song called i don't even i don't know the name of the songs i just listen to it i put it on and i just play it and that's it and it's just really 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 great so i can't recommend that enough check out the boys next door 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 that's on spotify you can find it everything i've mentioned thus far has been on spotify so you know if you want to give it a listen before you buy it you should check it out on spotify all right, this next one's going to be a big upset. It is The Grateful Dead, American Beauty. Yes, I appreciate and have an affinity for The Grateful Dead. I enjoy them. I do. But here's what's funny. I like their first album. I like stuff like their first album because it's super short. I don't like long jam band songs. Don't give me long jam band songs. Give me, I, li- I want the studio track that's only five minutes long. I don't want the 27. Who has 27 minutes? to listen to a jam song. I don't have 27 minutes. I want to listen to a whole album in 27 minutes. You know what I mean? So, you know, this idea of them playing like a two and a half hour set or a four hour set, nobody's got time for that. I don't got time for that. I do have time for that when I'm like like sitting and just, you know, want to get lost in, in some music. There are a couple of live shows that I do appreciate from the dead. In particular, December 27th, 1978 is a phenomenal live show that I've listened to many, many times. That was when the dead were at the height of their dead powers. But they put out an album in the early 70s. I'm not sure if it was 1971 or 1972. It was their first, I think this was their first big splash. Um, the band are, a, uh, the, the, the dead are a band of Americana, man. They are truly a, an American band. Um, who, you know, just traveled and this country endlessly playing all sorts of shows, hippie freaks, if you ever wanted to use the term hippie freak, and who just get lost in their own music, sometimes way too lost. And like I said, I, I guess I'm not a true dead fan because I'll take the album versions over the live versions any day. Cause you know, any deadhead will be like, Hey man, it's all about the live shit, man. When they're cooking up sweet jam, man. And for me, I'm just like, it's like, you know what, man, give me, give me that, like that, like seven minute song and that's enough and recorded in the studio. I love Scarlet Begonias. I love fire on the mountain. I love shakedown street. But they put out an album called American Beauty, and every track on this album is just a banger. Box of Rain, Candyman, Sugar Magnolia. It's just, it's a beautiful, gorgeous album. Candyman, I think, is about a drug dealer, but the song itself is one of the most, the, the melody, the whatever, the music, it's one some of the most romantic music. I'll never forget when many, many years ago in college, when, you know, I got together with this girl and we stayed up all night together and, you know, I had a playlist going and I'll never forget the song Candyman was playing. And it was just one of the most romantic moments of my life. It was just, it was wonderful. We were just like lying there on the couch and the song is playing, go listen to Candyman. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's, it's just a beautiful, wonderful song. Uh, and Box of Rain, Ripple, I think, is on there. Ripple's a 
gorgeous song. Um, the dead, the dead are great in, in the right dose and the right appreciation. Cause here's the thing, you know, the punk rock side of things, the rock and roll side of things, they look at jam bands and they go, fuck that shit. So, you know, acid jam, jammy jam, whatever, yada, 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 out into outer space. There is a time and a place for music like the Grateful Dead. And it's, you know, it, it's about, I don't know, it's, it's, I don't know how, what I'm saying right now, but it's, it's about the music. <laughs> it's about the musicianship. It's about, you know what it is? It's about like searching. You know what it is? It's about searching for live collaboration or collaboration through a live sound and sort of literally creating like feelings and sort of rhythms and melodies and yada, yada, yada in the moment as it's happening. And it's like, you know, it's like you're building a cake maybe, or you're like, you're building something in real time in front of an audience and sort of sharing this like communal experience. You know what I mean? I think that's what the appeal truly is at the heart of what the Grateful Dead is all about. Some of which at least and talk about prolific. I mean, talk about a songbook. We're talking before about what band were we talking about that has just like, you know, so many, so many songs. I mean, the Grateful Dead have like a songbook that's probably 500, 600 songs. It's insane with all the covers and everything. Oh, we're talking about Sublime. Sublime, who also, you know, played a lot more music than was what was ever recorded. You know, the Grateful Dead the same way. All right, we're winding down. We have we have two more left on our list. We have the next one. I really don't know what else to say about this album. It's the, the Beatles, the White Album, man. The White Album is like, talk about an odyssey. You talk about something you, you don't cherry pick from the White Album. You start it back at the USSR and you go all the way to Good Night if you can do it, you know, or maybe you can only do the first disc, you know, and you get to the end of, I think it's, is, is it I Will? I think it's, what, what ends the, the first disc of the White Album? Every single song on the White Album is the best. It's perfect. It's amazing. Even Revolution Number Nine, you got to get through it. You get through the whole thing. Um, it, it, it's truly, if you want to revel in in songwriting genius, if you want to revel in in like just like masters at the height of their mastery, you got to listen to the White Album. Listen to a song like Happiness is a Warm Gun, which is actually three songs that was turned into one song. Listen to Dear Prudence. Listen to Back in the USSR. Listen to Glass Onion, the continuing adventures of Bungalow Bill, you know, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Like, I could, you just go every song. Savoy Truffle, you know, Birthday, Helter Skelter. It's like there is a little bit of everything. Obladiobladah. There's a little bit of everything for everyone on this album. It's truly uh, Rocky Raccoon. Like they 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 go through so many different styles. In you know, and, and what's interesting is they made this album. It was the only album they made in the year 1968. In addition to their the, the four singles that they would put out, they had to put out a single every quarter. And, you know, I've heard in the, I've said myself in the past that the, the White Album is like four solo albums in one. It really is where, but here's what's interesting. You know, that's not entirely true. It's still the Beatles. But what's interesting is the, the, you have four distinct 
personalities being super distilled into their songwriting where each song feels like that guy's song and the other guys are not on it. And that's just, but that's not totally the case either. And I've listened to Beatles podcasts where they've literally done sequences where it's just Paul songs and they've done sequences where it's just John songs. And they're very interesting. And it's amazing how much it's true. It was a true dichotomy of, you know, John Lennon singing from the raw soul, from his heart, you know, pouring himself out with all of his emotion and Paul McCartney, who's not, who's keeping everything, you know, superficial, but like trying to entertain you with, you know, with, with show songs, you know, those two mentalities, songwriting mentalities coming together and then throw George Harrison into the mix and Ringo Starr even does two songs. One of which don't pass me by is a phenomenal song that doesn't get enough credit. People don't talk about don't pass me by enough. And um, he, he sung, sorry, Ringo sung two songs, but he ha- only contributed one song that he wrote personally. Um, and then he would write Octopus's Garden for Abbey Road, which came next. White album, dude. It's the, as, as Paul McCartney said, it's the fucking white album. You know, like you can't, you can't argue with the white album. It's just the, my favorite album that the Beatles ever did. And I love all the Beatles albums. Talk about a songbook too. All right, this next one is I love these guys. I, something about duos, man. Just like the Ravenettes, it, this band is just two guys. Um, it's one guy is King Kong and the other guy is Barbecue. Barbecue plays the drums with his feet and he plays rhythm guitar. And King Kong is a lead guitarist. And they both have beautiful soul voices. I would kind of almost call them dirty doo-wop garage. That's the best way to describe it. It's garage music with dirty doo-wop vocals. And they put out an album. It's their third album that they released in 2009 called Invisible Girl. And it's, I think it's their masterpiece, truly. Um, It opens with this... And it just runs the gambit of garage rock. But the, the standout track by far, and again, I have to listen to the whole thing. I can just listen to the whole thing down the line. But the stand, standout track by far is I'll Be Loving You, which is sung by Barbecue. I've gotten to see the King Kong and the Barbecue show live twice. They come from a band called the Space Shits, and they were a legendary sort of garage rock band. You know, there was like this garage rock scene that's happening which is also its own punk rock community, which is happening concurrently with everything else that's happened. It's sort of been this like unbroken chain. You know what I mean? Um, it started in the sixties. Actually it is unbroken. It is a broken chain. It starts in the sixties and then kind of goes away in the seventies, comes back with a vengeance in the mid eighties and continued through the nineties and the two thousands and the 2010s. And it, and it's a very interesting community anchored by bands like King Kong, and the barbecue show you have the mummies of uh, the dead part of dead moon probably we go on and on and on about all the bands new bomb turks are kind of in that in that group matter of fact eric davidson who's on pizza pug he wrote a book about a lot of these bands uh i forget the name of the book but check out check it out if you want to uh, go go seek that out it's on amazon i know it's on amazon and um yeah dude it's just it's just the, the best way to describe it is if you like doo-wop if you like garage rock, if you like soul, check out King Kong the Barbecue Show. Two guitars, 
and a dude playing drums with his feet. That's all the that's the that's the the, the instrumentation that you're hearing. And again, these dueling guitars just work so well. These guys have such great musical chemistry. And like I said, they dress in really weird outfits. They are guys who really do not take themselves seriously. They take themselves seriously, but they really don't take themselves seriously at the same time. And um, they just make phenomenal, phenomenal music. They also have their solo projects. You have Barbecue. He goes off. Mark Sultan, he does his own thing. Matter of fact, I think he's going to be on punk, Pizza Punk in the near future. And then King Kong, he has a band called King Kong and the Shrines. King Kong and the Tandoori Knights. He's always doing stuff. Two Canadians who I think are currently their expats living in um, uh, Germany. They're, 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 ex, they're, they're from Canada, but they live in Germany. So, yeah, check out check out and they're putting out a new album they're recording a new album right now they've got four albums out but they're putting out a new album check out king kong and the barbecue show their songs are like baby baby i'm so in love with you why do you drive me crazy do me it just i can't i'll be loving you i'll be loving you i'll be loving you that's what I do do do, and I do 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 do. I believe do 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 do. They just—they're so—they're so wonderful, man. They're, they really are. And that album, just all the way through. Okay, enough of that. Okay, our, what else do we have? We have our. Okay, that was ten albums, and I'm gonna do a bonus album. This has a great story behind it. Might have told it in the past. The year is 2006. I'm living in New York City for the summer, working as a doorman doing the midnight shift right before I went to college. And um, one day I'm walking, and this is when vinyl has not be gotten into fashion yet. Nobody really has turntables. Turntables are not affordable the way they would be in the few years later. And, you know, you really had to go to your way to get a turntable is what I'm trying to say. But vinyl had not come fully into bloom yet. And on the sidewalk, somebody threw away cratefuls of vinyl. I mean cratefuls. I start thumbing through, and I'm going. I'm recognizing now. I'm see. I see Rolling Stones, Hot Rocks. I see Disraeli Gears by Cream. I see Tommy by The Who. I see all of these albums, and I just start going, "Fucking a! Like what a treasure trove of music!" And even if 25% of these albums are playable, like it would be a crime not to like schlep. I mean, it was a real schlep. Like I had to drag these crates to where I was living, but I did it. I did it. I, I busted my ass to get all this music upstairs. <clears throat> I didn't even have a record player at the time. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a couple of years until my wife bought me for my birthday. She bought me a record player and I dug up those vinyls. Cause I always said, I'm going to get a vinyl player. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to check out some of these, these albums. I mean, it's just, Free music, dude. Like, you know, they're not going to leave it on the side of the road like that. They were all in great condition, too. One of those albums was by a band whose name I had heard a hundred billion times, but I had never listened. I had never actually listened to them. I just heard of them. I knew I knew of one guy because he produced the, the, the Beatles reunion uh, anthology singles, uh, uh, affectionately known as the, the Threedles. Uh, his name is Jeff Lynn. 
and he had a band called Electric Light Orchestra who were unabashedly shameless ripoffs of the Beatles from 1967 to 1970. So they literally took their sound, you know, lots of horns, lots of strings, lots of great McCartney, Lennon pop sensibilities, all those studio tricks that they would, you know, really, really formulate and, and solidify in the studio in those later years and just applied them in the seventies after the Beatles had broken up and put out all sorts of great songs. We all know Mr. Blue Sky, yada, yada, yada. But he put out this album that I had never listened to. I literally had never even heard the album. I just had it. And I said, you know, I'm going to check this out. I don't know what it's going to be. The album is called El Dorado. And it is a, it is a concept album about the Wizard of Oz. And on the cover, you can see Dorothy's red, ruby red slippers. And El Dorado is, the, you know, the yellow brick road, you know. Um, and it's like a, the most lush pop symphony. That's what it is. It's the, the record is a pop symphony that takes you through so many different like emotions and journeys. And I don't know, I can't describe it. It just, and I don't, I couldn't even tell you what the tracks are on the album, but it's an album that, like I said, I don't know the tracks because I just listened to the album. You know what the, the tracks are? They're called El Dorado. That's it. It's called, motherfucking called El Dorado. I dropped the needle on El Dorado, side one. Listen to the whole thing, flip it over, listen to the whole thing, then immediately flip it over again. I must have listened to that record 20 times in a row before I changed records to something else. I could not stop listening to El Dorado. It's just... To me, and I guess the reason why I call it El Dorado or why I don't bother to learn the track titles, and maybe this is a culmination because we'll reach the end here, guys. I've, I've gone through my, my 10 albums. I guess, I guess at the end of the day, to, to bring it back to the theme of, of picking 10 albums, you don't need to know the track numbers necessarily of the album if you're listening to the whole album. The album is one long fucking track. And that's what El Dorado was. El Dorado was just one long song to me that you just had to listen to all the way through on side A and then all the way through on side B and you just keep flipping it over. It's one long piece of music and it's just a masterpiece. I don't even know how to describe it other than being a Beatlesque pop symphony. If you like the Beatles, you will love ELO. You will like Electric Light Orchestra. They're not reinventing the wheel either. They're not doing anything different than what the Beatles did. They're just copying the Beatles in the best way ever. And Jeff Lynn will be the first guy to tell you that he's just like the biggest Beatles fan ever just doing Beatles music. And he's super duper talented and creative. And frankly, the only guy that could have produced those Beatle anthology singles, Real Love and Free as a Bird in the 90s, both masterful recordings. And the story behind the, how those songs were recorded are insane all their own. Whew. I can't believe we made it through that list. Um, I'm going to think of 10 more albums. We're not going to do it next week. I think of something else to do next week for the good morning show, but we'll do 10 more albums in the future. I got to think, I got to think of them though. I already know what one of them is. Um, 
but yeah, those are ten. Those are ten, really eleven albums that I highly recommend you checking out. And I didn't see any of your comments, and I'm so sorry to ignore everybody. It just I didn't want to interrupt the flow of the show. I think the show would have been two hours long or two and a half hours long if we had gone through the comments. I couldn't. Well, as I as I mentioned earlier, the my 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 plan for watching comments or or highlighting comments was sabotaged by my my system here which is frustrating to say the least but i really i'll I'll go back i'll look through them i i gotta go i gotta start my day now um it's what time is it now it's seven it's seven eleven a.m here so i gotta go start my day i gotta go check on my export that was exporting overnight make sure that it's it's all seamless and good please make sure to like share and subscribe if you enjoyed this long rambling about music and musical suggestions. Please let me know if you liked these, any of these albums that I recommended to you. Please let me know if there's a topic that you want discussed on this channel. And if you really enjoy this, this uh, show, please take a moment to check out the Patreon or buy a cup of coffee. Um, because as I said, or just let the ads play through or click on the ads when they, they pop up. Um, because this is my main source of income for the time being. And yeah, I'm just going to be grinding guys. I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to have another show set up and ready to go by tonight. Hopefully I got a, got a couple of things picked out for us to talk about. So hope you enjoyed this. Thank you so much. As always, we say peace and here goes. Oh, there is a new blog episode that will be dropping soon. Check out the blogs if you want to see the day-to-day mundane sort of life, life stuff that's been happening out here in Israel. Okay, that's really it. Peace and hair grease.